Hey guys, welcome to episode 84 of The Green Life. I am so excited about today's episode. I have here a guest that I truly, truly look up to for her wonderful channel on YouTube, but also for being such a sweetheart. I'm talking about Maddie from Let's Eat Plants. If you don't follow her channel, you have to go and follow it. She started everything because she was on a journey to get healthier, lose weight, and she did this by organizing her meals, meal prepping, and this really just became video sharing, a lot of information, a lot of tips, and a course on how to meal prep. So she's the meal prep queen. I love how she shared the information. I love how she approached, she's approachable, she's real. So if you don't follow her, go and follow her now. Now, before we get into the episode, a big shout out to Namawell, of course, for the J2 and the C2. So the J2 is the juicer, the C2 is the juicer plus the blender. So now you can make fresh cold pressed juices as well as getting your soups and nice creams and smoothies, you name it, you can do it with one-stop machine. If you're looking for a new appliance and you want to really invest in your kitchen, go into the show notes and use my 10% discount. I don't make money out of this, it's just for you as a gift. Also. I have a link to Dr. Morse's herbs, so if you're looking to cleanse your body, detoxify, and work on a protocol, you can get your herbs from that site, from that link, and also get 5% discount. It's a one-off discount, so use it wisely. I do make money out of this, I'm an affiliate, so thank you if you're buying from that because you support the channel. I'm also sharing my own link for my work, as well as my retreat here in Portugal. If you're looking for a place to go next year in 2024, this is the place to come. But also if you are a practitioner and looking for a place to host a retreat, we welcome you and I'm happy to chat to you to see how I can support. All right, without further ado, no more dilly-dally. Let's get into this beautiful episode. Welcome, Maddie. Hi, Maddie. Thank you so much for being on The Green Life today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Such a pleasure to have you here. I've been following you for a while, as you know, and I absolutely love your content and mm-hmm. how you share it. And I love your voice. So I'm really Thank happy you. you are on here. <laughs> Thank you. So um, most people will know about Let's Eat Plants because it's really grown in uh, popularity and it's such a nice channel to follow. And if they are not, I put everything in the show notes so people will follow you. But um, if you want to share a little bit about your journey, I would love to know how it all gets started and how you became this wonderful coach and especially with a niche for food prep. Mm. How did it start? Sure. Do you want to know my YouTube journey or my vegan journey or both or both? Because I think they interlinked, right? I guess a little bit. Um, Actually, I've been vegan for quite a while now since um, basically since the beginning of 2018. Um, But it really kind of started even before that, that, like my husband decided we're on this documentary kick And we were watching like every documentary under the sun. And then somehow vegan documentaries got into our feed as well. And we just started binge watching all of them, like Earthlings, What the Health, um, Cowspiracy, Vegucated, like every single one. And we were just like, oh my gosh, how did we not know all of this information, right? But even after watching them, it still took us a couple years to like, you know, gradually transition and then... In 2017, we were on this um, travel tour of like, we were we were moving to Canada um, after living abroad. And so we were like, let's do one final travel tour. Let's try and go vegan. So we were traveling and trying to be vegan at the same time in these like very rural parts. And that was really, um, it was challenging, but it was like, hey, actually we can do this. So when we got back to Canada, he was like, let's or we're both like let's go full-time vegan and it was so easy and so that was in 2018 at the very beginning or end of 2017 and we've been vegan ever since and when we got back so I'm originally from the U.S. my husband's from Canada and he was like well you know you're living in this new country I used to do teaching when we were living abroad and he's like what would you want to do if you could do anything and I'm like oh wow I can do anything he's like yeah why don't you like follow your passion because you know teaching isn't really an option here for me so I was like well um you know I would love to just be in the kitchen all day and he's like why don't you start a YouTube channel that would be so exciting and I'm like okay let's do it (laughs) so it was 
just kind of like, it just organically happened. And I'm like, okay, I'm newly vegan. Let me share some recipes that I'm trying. And that was how the YouTube channel got started. And as I had the channel for a while, um, I started, well, actually, I think it was like pretty early on in my journey. I shared like one or two meal prep videos and like, I got a little bit of interest, but not as much as when I shared them like a couple years later. And then when people saw those, they were like, whoa, how did you do all that? And I'm like, oh, it's really easy. I thought everyone was doing this. <laughs> I was like, let me share more about that. And then I was asking people, you know, would you want like more information about this? And people were like, heck yes. So I built a course around it and it was basically just like, um, people were interested and therefore I made the content about it. So I really absolutely love it. Yeah. It's just been me sharing what I'm eating at home and I try and keep it simple and yeah, easy to do. Amazing. Okay. So I tell you what, kudos to your husband for being so supportive and allowing you to really, you know, branch out into something you're passionate about. It's true. But I also love the fact that you used your education background in building a course because that's such a talent. You know, it's not very easy to actually build the outline for a course and deliver it in a, in a way that people actually, you know, take it on board and can fulfill it and finish it. So I think that's really important and it's a skill that wonderful that you have. Um, but also I from one of your from some of your videos, I know that you also um, wanted to share more about eating in a certain way because you went through a, a health kick as well and wanting to lose weight. Can you take me yes. through that little part of um, of the journey? What happened? Yeah, so that what you know what I've always eaten pretty healthy, like, um, when my husband and I were on the documentary kick, we were also all about health at that time. And like, even growing up, I ate pretty healthy. So I feel pretty lucky to have that like, um, kind of background, I guess. And so he and I just went on like this gym kick and like super health kick. So I feel like I kind of know, um, how to lose weight and like how to get my body to a place that I wanted it to be. And during the pandemic, it was just like everyone stuck at home. I wasn't going to the gym. It was, you know, people were stressed out, myself included. We didn't know what was happening in the future. So it was a lot of like stress eating and just not going out much and not exercising. And all of those things, like I showed a before and after photo of myself. And someone was like, I think you got them switched. And I was like, no, no, no. The before I was skinny and the after I was not because I gained like 20 pounds in a year. Wow. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. So I felt a little bit uncomfortable and like 20 pounds, you know, it isn't that much. I didn't want to be like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, it was just more about how I felt about myself. Mm. And I felt like I wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating as healthily as I could. And those were the most important things to just kind of get my health back on track. Mm -hmm. So that was really when I started sharing about the meal preps. I'm like, okay, let's simplify it. You know, my husband is very lazy in the kitchen. He's just like, I want to reheat and eat kind of thing. So I'm like, okay, let's make it easy for both of us. I don't want to have to worry about cooking for him all the time either. So if we have veggies prepped, he'll eat them, I'll eat them. And I just found it was the simplest way to make sure that I was eating those healthy foods without having to think about it or stress about it. So after doing that, I finally got my health back on track. It still took, you know, a while. It took about six months and um, I wasn't able to exercise because I had this pinched nerve in my neck. It was a, <laughs> it was a struggle, but you know, I just feel like, um, it's just this tool that I can always rely on and having that in your back pocket is so helpful at times like that. Absolutely. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. I love that because I think a lot of people can actually relate. Um, first of all, during the, the, the lockdowns, a lot of people gain weight. It was yeah. like the pandemic was mostly weight gain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay. Everyone is just becoming a one and two and three sizes larger, but, yeah. um, so that was a little bit crazy because obviously there is such a big correlation between our weight and our health. And I yeah. know that lately you've actually been exploring also some gadgets to look at uh, a whole metabolic uh, health that you have, your whole metabolic health. So um, yeah. actually, what are the biggest thing you learned through this journey of getting healthier? Um, and we're going to go into the food prep, of course, but I want to know more about 
uh, the things that you didn't maybe know before that you never paid attention to because as you know you as you said you grew up being healthy you knew how to yeah. exercise and being active and eating well but then once you stopped you get that reality check right and then you have to go back and now it seems like you're diving a little bit more into the health part and understanding yeah. metabolism and understanding uh, your your body better and yeah. um and I love you to just share the the things that really stood up for you and the things that you really feel like you learned a lot on sure I would say my knowledge on that is pretty elementary but something that I definitely have learned in the past few years is like weight is not everything right weight is just a number and even like BMI I think a lot of people use BMI to calculate if you're healthy or not and there's a lot of times more to that number than what meets the eye and like with working out you gain a lot of muscle and that can affect your weight and your BMI and make it seem like you're overweight when you're not necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of have to know your own body and know, like, I, I actually have been using a scale to help me um, measure fat percentage and things like that, because I think that those things um, are more important than necessarily just your one number of weight. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I agree. And um, I know you are a big follower of Dr. Gregor. What are mm. the biggest, <laughs> I know you love him. <laughs> He's a fun guy. Um, do you, what are the things that you really feel like you learned so much from him that you translated into your, uh, in your work? Okay. I'll tell you why Dr. Gregor is my favorite, because I just feel that he is like, he's laying everything out for you in terms of this is optimal health. You can follow it or not. It, you know, it's up to you. That's okay. Whatever you want to do. He's not like, um, getting mad at anyone if they don't want to follow it. He's just, here are the guidelines. And if you want to be at your optimum health, follow these simple. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that other people have told me, Oh, I I feel he's too restrictive. You can't eat certain things. And I'm like, he's not saying you can't eat them. He's just saying for optimal health, eat these ones, you know? So I just really like that approach. And I love the daily dozen because if you're eating all of those foods on that daily dozen list, you can be very healthy. You could even eat a couple extra foods if you wanted to, you know, but that's just the minimum you should eat for optimum health. And I just love that all of his information is science-backed and research-backed. And yeah, I just think it's great. (laughs) (laughs) And you met him, right? You met him at a a fair? Yeah, at um, the Planted Expo, I believe it was called, here in Toronto. And he was the speaker, and I was so excited. And I just was like, hey, can we get a picture? And he's like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a YouTuber and <laughs> I teach people sometimes about the daily dozen. He's like, Oh, that's really cool. So and that is amazing. Well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going back to your, your story of moving from living abroad and then coming back to do Northern America and living in Canada, I believe you're from California originally, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So um, how is it the transition between obviously you know, being a California girl where the weather is like mild, you can eat more fresh food, especially fruits in such an easy way. And then yeah. transitioning to Toronto where the, the winter are harsh. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you deal with that? And how does that impact the way that you actually eat? That's a great question. And even actually, I was living in Hong Kong before we moved to uh, Canada. So I even feel that in Hong Kong, like, there's, there's goods and bads about every place, right? In Hong Kong, we had a lot of access to tropical fruits and like other fruits that are a little bit harder to find here. And it was pretty inexpensive as well. Like you could go to what they call the wet markets, which is kind of just like a farmer's market. And they're out every single day and you can pick up all this fresh produce for really inexpensive. So it was close to our house. We would just walk everywhere. You know, we used public transportation and I felt a lot more active And then moving back to North America, it's like, okay, back to like a suburb life, you know, it's a little bit, you drive most places, you go to the grocery store to get your food. Um, I mean, we still do have farmer's markets, but of course in Canada in the winter, it's just a lot more indoors. People aren't going outside as much. So, and just being from California, like you said, is a a little bit of a transition for me (laughs) to to snow and everything. Um, But I mean, it's it's all right. It's it's manageable. I think that like with with the food, I just 
have shifted everything to shopping at the grocery stores. And we're lucky that we have a lot of great seasonal produce here, even at the grocery stores. I look for Canadian grown, like right now there's so much squash and sweet potatoes and, you know, lots of great stuff available for pretty inexpensive overall. Like, of course, grocery prices have risen a lot lately and Mm -hmm. like, we're all feeling that for sure. Um, But we're lucky that there are still some good deals out there if you shop for, if you shop for them, right? You kind of got to keep an eye out for the good deals. Yeah, brilliant. Um, We'll go back to actually shopping with with the budget in mind. But for now, Mm. yeah, I'd like to go back to you preparing food and just asking you before you went on this journey of being in the kitchen, creating new dishes, were you a big cook ahead of uh, of that? No, (laughs) no, I feel like maybe it shows with my my cooking on YouTube because I just I'm a little bit um, I've learned a lot. Like I've learned a lot in the last four years because before my specialty was salad. Like I can chop and dice and mix it all together and make a good dressing. Like that's no problem. I was always the one who brought the salad to the potluck. And just because I wanted to eat the salad, I was good at making it. So it was a win-win. I've always been like semi-decent at baking. I'm not a total loss there. But like cooking in general, it was a lot of like figuring out how to tell when things are done. Like even with vegetables, you know, you want it to be the right softness or crispness or whatever. So there was definitely a learning curve there for me. (laughs) But it's also really fun to learn. Like I've been learning a lot about other cuisines. So my husband's mother, my mother-in-law is Chinese, but they're from Vietnam. So they've been teaching me like a lot of Vietnamese cooking. And I just love learning about like different cultures cooking and yeah it's a, definitely a learning learning experience i love that though because um it just shows that we can really acquire these new skills no matter what and i feel like yeah. um especially for people that are i hear so many people especially my clients sometimes they're like i don't know how to cook or i don't love cooking um i'm just like okay you don't have to like it you don't have to love it but um yeah. it's a necessary skill especially these yeah. days because a prices of food are going up so going out all the time will be unbelievably expensive but also um you know just to be healthier because as much as you can go to a healthy restaurant or even a vegan one the issue always becomes that it's not cooked in the most healthy way it needs to be delicious it needs to really get people to come back so it's very different to when you cook at home uh so well done for getting that skill under the belt it's great and um when you started yeah. the channel, what who was your inspiration? And also, like, what was the hardest dish that you have made so far? <laughs> Good question. What was the hardest dish? Um, gosh, let me come back to that. I'm not <laughs> sure off the top of my head. Definitely, my inspiration was like watching other uh, YouTubers. There's a lot of you know people who came before me, and I feel so lucky to like have been able to look at their channels and be like, okay, wow, look at all the vegans in the YouTube space, there's definitely a place for us. And actually, when I first got on YouTube, I was like, oh, everything's already been done. I don't need to make a video about that. And so I I, I didn't start out making a lot of basics videos because I thought once there's one video about it, that means no one else needs to make a video about it, which is really silly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I've gone back and I've made basics videos, people are like, wow, I've, I had no idea about this thing. And I'm like, oh, okay let me make more of these basics because I think a lot of times, like you said, people, if they don't know how to cook, they just want to learn those basic things and we kind of need to start somewhere and build up from that. So yeah, let me think about the most difficult dish I've made. You know, seitan, actually, seitan, which is made from vital wheat gluten. Mm -hmm. And that, oh, at the beginning, it was really difficult. The very first time I ever made it, I boiled it, which learning now is not really the best method of cooking. So I boiled it and I don't even think I wrapped it in anything. And it just like got bigger and bigger and bigger. It expands when you cook it. <laughs> so it like soaked up all this moisture. It looked like a growing brain and it was, it was not tasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I only made seitan using the vital gluten with the uh, chickpeas to oh, make yeah. um to make like a steaks but mm. 
I never really made like the Satan Satan or you know like um I I know that you have the videos and I need to find the patience to do it but I definitely um I find it fascinating to see these new recipes but then um I also take it always the next step because I I kind of don't cook with oil and I know you actually sometimes you you switch between using and not so that's great but um yeah I'm I'm I try to make things a little healthy and sometimes they're like a total disaster but uh, especially with the baking oh my god I am not a good baker like you are good I'm just like I if I bake it's like sometimes a disaster and a half so science all you gotta do is follow the recipe I promise yeah. <laughs> I know and I'm really bad at following recipes that's one of the problems there it is <laughs> yeah that it is so I, but I find it really, I, I mean, I love watching when somebody just creates these beautiful things. And I really, uh, one of the things I like to talk about is obviously um, some, you know, when it comes to savory food, it's kind of almost easy to get it right because you have um, the ingredients that you use really dictate how healthy a dish is going to be. And it's very easy yeah. to manage that. But you also dove a little bit into making sweets, which of course, they're not just baking, but also your beautiful, uh, you had a series of um of uh, ice cream making challenges. I need to know, I mean, some of them, the ingredients are like, what? I, how did you come up with those? And um, what is your best one so far? That's a good question. I think that was like, let me just experiment and see what works. And in my mind, if I get an idea, I just want to make it. Like, actually, my my dream would just be to live in a test kitchen with unlimited ingredients and just trying things out all day. Because in my mind, you can make ice cream out of anything. You can make it out of cauliflower, out of potatoes, whatever. You You really just need the formula of like you have the base, maybe a little bit of fat because ice cream does prefer to be a little bit... Um, fatty to have um, less of a freezing effect, I guess. There's some yeah. kind of science there, right? And then you need a sweetener. So if you have those three components, you can make an ice cream. And I'm like, why not? Let's try. I think my best one so far is the zucchini because the <laughs> zucchini was so unexpected. And I've had people make that recipe and they're like, wow, I'm so surprised. This worked really well. It was really good. And I made it into a mint chocolate chip. So it was like zucchini, avocado for some fat and also the color for mint chocolate chip. And then like some fresh mint or you can use mint extract and then chocolate chips and a sweetener, of course. And <laughs> I think you could really make that into other flavors as well. You know, if you switched out the mint or if you didn't want to make it green, you didn't have to use avocado for the fat. You could use cashews or coconut cream or something like that. So yeah, I just love the experimentation process and thinking about like, well, let's just try it. If I had more time, I would be trying more recipes. And the other thing is, you know, I don't want to be stuck eating 27 different failed ice creams or even successful ice creams. <laughs> it would be too much. So I have to limit myself to like a few experiments over the summer and just see how yeah. it goes. Do you ever share what you make with your family? Um, I do. They're not as excited about it. <laughs> Even my husband, I feel he's a pretty harsh critic. So if it's husband approved, it's like, okay, normal people will also like this normal people. Um, but like I myself will eat pretty much anything. And I think like, hey, if it tastes decent, it's all about your personal preference. And I like to try and instill that in my videos as well. Like, please season to your taste because everyone's taste buds are going to be different. Some people love one recipe and other people hate the exact same recipe. So, you know, it's all about taste as you go and just kind of add a little bit of more of whatever elements you prefer. Yeah, so true. Um, you know, I like that approach. And I think actually that's one of the things that really comes through into your videos. And that is... Um, how you allow people to just be more open and, uh, you know, just do it as you feel. I mean, of course, talking about baking, that's a little more complicated. Otherwise, they all end up like me not True. making a very good dessert. But otherwise, it's quite cool to um, to experiment with your food and try to find what works for you and just more of this, more of that. And, yeah. and also the way that you are flexible, even with the ingredients, like whatever you have, use it and um you know it will just very much like very little change the the taste of the 
yeah. of the uh, of the recipe, but at least you're using what you have, which is again very important because we don't want to waste anything, especially these days. Um, yeah. So I I was wondering if um, how I you know one of the things that people don't think about perhaps is how helpful really food prep is and um one of you obviously have two kind of food preps is where you actually make different recipes and you can just mix and match and you have them already yeah. ready or is the food prep in the sense of cleaning and washing and getting everything ready now if people haven't watched your videos which i hope they will after this um can this can we just give them the difference between the two and also uh, how they they make life easier. So from prepping actual meals to prepping just the ingredients. Yeah, I actually teach in my course that there are three different oh. types. <laughs> so the first one is just a wash and chop. Like if you really don't have time to do anything, just wash and chop your veggies, right? And make sure that they're ready to use throughout the week. Because when you open the fridge and everything's like, in its original packaging, you're like, oh my gosh, if I were to make a salad right now, I have to take out the lettuce, the carrots, the cucumber, celery, all of those things, wash them separately and chop them into a salad that's going to take 20 or 30 minutes for a salad. Come on, that's crazy. Of course, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one is just to wash and chop everything. Um, if you have a little bit more time, you can move on to the second phase, which is what I call a batch prep. I think people also refer to it as ingredient prep. Um, because you're prepping different ingredients or components to meals. So like in addition to the veggies, you could also steam some veggies so that they're cooked and ready to use. Or you could make a pot of grains like quinoa, brown rice, um, buckwheat, whatever you want to eat that week. And you can also do a batch of beans like black beans, chickpeas, anything you like. Um, and you could even do like a prepared sauce as well, like a get your dressings ready, get your marinara sauce ready, whatever kind of um, kind of mixture you want to be able to put them all together more easily, right? So that's kind of the idea behind batch prep. And then a recipe prep would be if you want it just 100%, everything's ready to go. So you just take out a Tupperware from the fridge and it is a full set meal. I think that's what most people think a meal prep is, which mm -hmm. usually like um, I I see the bodybuilders doing those types of meal preps and that totally works too. Like if you are really busy, um, you just need something ready to grab and go when you get home from work or even something to take to work. Like those have been really, really helpful. That's actually my husband's favorite because <laughs> it's zero work for him. Mm -hmm. um, but I, that one does take a little bit more work on the prep day. So you do need to be prepared to spend maybe three or so hours to get your meals in their little Tupperwares and just have everything ready. And you can do um, prep days multiple times a week if you wanted to do one on a Sunday and then one midweek. If one day is too much, you can always break it up. Or like I said, if you just have time to wash and shop and you want things ready to go, that's a really good way to do it. And how do you learn how to uh, preserve the food? So once the food is washed and to put it in the fridge so that it doesn't go off as quickly. It was a combination of trial and error and also like research. So I've, I've done a lot of research to be like, okay, well, it doesn't seem like this one's lasting as long. How long should I keep whatever it is in the fridge? And I've learned little tips along the way, like with celery and carrots, you can keep them submerged in water. If you want to keep them crisp longer, just change out the water every few days. You know, like I think that I have a different method than some people of wrapping my lettuce. I like to wrap it in a tea towel to absorb some of the moisture. Um, just little things that you kind of try out. It worked for me, so I just kept doing it. Uh, it may not work for, for everyone. And, you know, it's also like the recipes. Like yeah. if you try it, you don't like it, then you don't have to use that method. There are other methods that you could do instead. Brilliant. And when it comes to freezing, what's the best approach? Because obviously when you cook a lot, you want to make sure that you get to it. But sometimes there's so much food if you are batch prep prepping. Yeah. Um, and I know that you love to use the freezer and especially for things, it's really smart things like uh, waffles. I never thought about um, putting waffles and pancakes in the, in the freezer. Genius. So for people like me that are like, okay, how does this work? So you are, how do you, how do you know what to freeze and what is freeze friendly? 
freezer friendly and also to say waffles what's the best way to like defrost them without them becoming all soggy when they start defrosting that's a great question so um with the waffles in particular i'll answer that question first I have a toaster oven. So I would highly recommend a toaster oven or, or even just a toaster, one of the two slot ones that you pop down like that. Um, either of those, you can just put the frozen waffle directly in there and just start toasting it and it will reheat perfectly. The only thing is with a microwave, um, it would get a little bit soggy. So mm -hmm. that one, I, I would say, if you don't have a toaster or a toaster oven, the waffles in pancakes can be a little bit difficult. I guess you could use it in a, a regular that oven. oven. Yeah. It, would, it would take a long time to heat up, but <laughs> an option. Yeah. And that I got um, the idea from like Eggos, like at the grocery store, they sell frozen waffles. And I'm like, I used to love frozen waffles. I'm going to make my own, right? <laughs> Genius. So like frozen food is definitely the easiest place to start. If you make a double batch of something, you freeze half of it, right? So I like to always recommend to freeze in portions that you want to defrost in. So for example, if you make a big batch of, we'll just say, um, pasta sauce, then you want to freeze it in a portion that you would only want to defrost that portion. So don't freeze it everything all together in one huge amount because then you'll have to defrost it all together. You sept, uh, section it out into different portions and then you can freeze those individually, take one out as needed. Same with beans. I just saw on my last video, somebody recommended using those silicone muffin cups um, you know, like when you bake muffins, they have the little muffin cups, they have those made out of silicone. So they're washable, reuse them over and over. And you just freeze some beans or portions of rice in those little cups. And then you have like, you can pop out one or two, you can, once they're frozen, you can pop them all into like a larger Tupperware and just keep all the little, they're kind of like hockey pucks, right? Yeah. Once they're in that shape and just put them all in a Tupperware and then take out one or two at a time and defrost those all together. And then you have a little meal. I use the microwave a lot, probably because Dr. Gregor said it was okay. And once he said it was okay, I was like, okay, let's do it. I, <laughs> I grew up without one. I used to be really anti-microwave. Um, my mom was like, no, we, we can't use the microwave. But I I think that it's it's probably okay. If you didn't want to use a microwave, you can always reheat things on the stovetop. That's what I always used to do. And it doesn't take that much more time. It's maybe extra five or 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't have a, a microwave anymore. We used to. Uh, it's funny that Dr. Gregor said it's fine because then um, at the time when I uh, when I was looking into that, I talked to a professor from um, the Carolina Institute in uh, Stockholm, the university, mm. um, and he was doing research on uh, on that. Actually, I reached out to him first to talk about um, um, artificial sweeteners and um, the correlation to dementia. And then he put me in touch with one of his colleagues who was talking, he was doing research on the microwaves. And uh, one of the things that, uh, the, the two things obviously struck me because one is the um, the sweeteners, um, they, they don't want to fund this research anymore, but he had found that there's a big correlation between things like, um, what is that now? Not stevia. I have stevia in mind because that's now the big one. But, you know, like Nutriva, I don't know, those fake um, oh, yeah. aspartame, aspartame, yeah, aspartame. Um, and, uh, and Alzheimer's. And so it was like, mm. yeah, there's a big correlation is not good for you. And probably because of the conversion of it in um, in fatty liver and how it affects the metabolism. Uh, he, we, he didn't give, give me details. I think he was really just really disappointed that he had to really pack up the research. But then his mm. colleague that was like about microwave, he was sharing with me that in his research, he had found that we actually have to step about 20 meters away from a microwave when it's operational. He didn't oh, go so much. Now. Yeah, he didn't go so much into details about what it does to the food. He didn't describe that. So maybe okay. that doesn't you know, necessarily hurt the food. Um, yeah. And especially when it's frozen, because that there's a lot of water content that evaporates. So I think it's probably mm. fine. But um, yeah, I was saying, if you use a microwave, you want to be away from the microwave 20, meter, 20 meters at least. And so 
I was like, that's a long distance. I don't even know if I have 20 meters in the toilet in, in, in the kitchen. So, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to have to go into the bedroom while that refrosts. I think I'm not going to use the microwave anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Ours is like often a little nook. I wonder if like going around the... the Maybe. You might, you might have to calculate <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting though uh so i wonder if dr gregor just looked at the um the impact on the food per se not so much Absolutely. on the yes. yeah so not so much on us yeah. uh and our body and of course we are actually bombarded with emf all the time i mean we have our cell phones we have wi-fi there's yeah, emf everywhere so definitely i thought it wasn't necessary so i use also stove and oven and uh so far so good honestly i haven't really yeah. missed the um the microwave so it's good that there are options so so thank you for Definitely. sharing that and yeah. then um one of the things obviously uh, that i think is very important to talk about is while the cost of food is going up as you mentioned earlier and it's becoming very hard to to be on a budget that is um you know decent for a lot of families uh so with the 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 um, inflation of prices, deflation of currencies. What is the best tools you found to make sure that you actually can afford healthy food? Because that's actually the key word, because of course, unhealthy food is always cheaper short term, Um, but healthy food so that you can, you know, eat your veggies, eat your fruit and, um, and still be on a budget. Number one, I would say is frozen. (laughs) because you know I love the freezer um but if you were to compare fresh um price like price per gram if you were to compare fresh versus frozen frozen always comes out cheaper um so if you want to get like your berries make sure you're getting your berries every day even lots of greens they have frozen we do a lot of like uh frozen peas edamame uh corn things like that definitely buy frozen if that's not an option I always also like to look for what's on sale that week at the grocery store. And I kind of do my meal prepping like based on that, like what's in season and also what's on sale. So I check the flyers, like they have the online flyers now for our store and I check it and see like what's what's on sale this week and kind of base the menu around that because why am I going to go out and buy blueberries right now in winter when they're Oh my gosh, ridiculously priced, especially the organic ones. It's so crazy. It's this tiny little box for like $7 and that's insane. So yeah, frozen, check the flyers. Um, At our store, they also have like the, the bargain section. Like they'll have a little section in the store where things are maybe a few days old or whatever. I also subscribed to a delivery, a produce delivery box. This is dependent on where you live because for the longest time, we didn't even have it in Toronto. But I know in a lot of major cities now, they'll do something called, I've seen one company called Misfits. Ours is called Odd Bunch. And it's basically produce that would otherwise be thrown away because it's not industry perfect. And you would never know. I get the produce in the box and it's like, literally like as if I just picked it out of the grocery store. So I don't know what the industry perfection standards are, but sometimes (laughs) it's like if there's a tiny little blemish on it, they don't want it at the grocery store. Or maybe it's just also there's a surplus of the item um, or they're able to get it at a wholesale price. Mm -hmm. And even that box that we get right now, like sometimes they'll have flash sales. It'll be like a 40% off sale. So you kind of just got to keep an eye out for the deals. Produce is like my number one non-negotiable, have to have my produce. And so that's usually where I'm looking to save a little bit of money because honestly, that like, like I said, if you're buying off season, those can be really expensive. Yeah. And how do you find, so we talked about the fact that some processed food, obviously, oh, let's call it junk food more than processed. Okay. Oats oats is processed. Um, So junk food can be quite cheap. And I just wondered, um, you know, I I think there's also this part where when we go vegan, some people think vegan is automatically healthy, which is not the case. Um, It can be quite unhealthy, just like a standard Western diet, uh, if we are eating processed food and and, and junk food all the time. And I was just wondering if somebody wants to be on a budget, what is your recommendation for, say, you know, right now they're like, well, 
I'm eating, you know, I buy these burgers that are really cool, but obviously they're expensive. What are the best options for people that want to still have the, the burger, but they want to spend less and even maybe make it at home? What yeah. are the, yeah, what are the solutions there? If they don't want to buy small feet. Ah. Dried beans, dried rice. You can make your own veggie burgers so easily. I mean, it takes a little bit of work. You definitely have to put in the time to do it. That That is the convenience of you know, junk food. And that's why it does so well. In addition to it being inexpensive and addictive, like it's very delicious tasting, let's be honest. So you do have to put in the commitment, but like it's pretty easy and dried beans and rice, those kinds of dried food staples will always be very inexpensive. So I do like canned beans. I, I stopped buying a long time ago. Um, I invested in an instant pot, which is a bit of an investment. I think it was around $70 when I bought it, but you can buy those used, you know, um, Mm. we have like a a local thrift store that often has appliances there. You can get all of those things secondhand if you, if you needed to and like cook, actually, even if you didn't have that, you can cook beans on the stovetop, you can cook them in the oven. So there are a lot of ways to save a little bit of money by doing things from scratch. Yeah, good call. And um, in terms of things like smoothies or juices, what's your favorite approach? Oh, for smoothies and juices? Yeah. Which one do you Um, prefer? Oh, you know, I used to be really big into juicing. It was like my favorite thing. And I'm one of those people who doesn't like any fruit in in their juice. I would do like an all veggie juice. And actually, when my husband and I were on the documentary kick, we watched Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, mm-hmm. which is a great documentary. Um, I believe his name is Joe Cross. He yeah. goes on this juicing journey, and it was so inspiring. My husband went out and bought the Hiram juicer, which at the time was like the number one juicer. This was like back in 2012, I believe. It was a yeah. long time ago. We still have that juicer. I've used it in my videos. It's a great juicer. It's lasted us 10 plus years. And when I have organic veggies to juice, I'll juice them occasionally. I haven't done it in a while. It is kind of annoying to clean. You know, it's a it's a little bit of a commitment. Um, a friend of ours would juice in batches. So she would juice like um, maybe two or three days worth. The nutrient content go- does go down a little bit um, with each day. But if you were really like pressed on time and you really needed to batch prep, juices you could uh with smoothies it's kind of the same like I like to batch prep them if I can if you wanted to blend them fresh every day I like to do smoothie packs Mm. so you can take a Tupperware and put like one banana some beans some fruit handful of spinach a scoop of chia seeds flax seeds whatever you want in your smoothie freeze that whole little Tupperware and then scrape it into your blender with a little bit of water or plant milk and then you have a fresh smoothie ready to go. You don't have to take out all the ingredients every day. I love that. You're like the queen <laughs> of practical. I love it. How do you feel? How do you feel? So as we're talking about um, smoothies, how do you feel about things like um, protein powders? I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see in my videos, I use them. Uh, when my husband and I were on the health kick, we, we weren't vegan at that time. So to be fair, we learned like the traditional bodybuilding type of mentality of you need veggies and protein and that's it. Mm. And to be honest, I, I think that's true. Like I actually follow a vegan bodybuilder and she says the same thing. Like you can do all of that, but still vegan, right? It's just veggies and protein if you wanted to lean out to be like a stage competing athlete so I think that if you were really um following that kind of lifestyle with bodybuilding and weightlifting that you know protein is important so I just think protein powders are an easy way to get protein into your body um I prefer like the natural ones so we a lot of times buy the plain pea protein, which is just 100% pea, like um, split peas, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So we mix that sometimes with the Vega. We usually buy Vega, which not everybody loves, but <laughs> we're fine with it. So we kind of split those two or mix those two together. And my husband uses it a lot. I don't use it every day. I would say if I was trying to lose weight or something like that. And I just wanted a little extra protein in my diet, then I would incorporate them a little bit more often. 
Nice. Do you feel like going vegan has um has changed your uh, your view on things like carbohydrates? Um actually no because I didn't really have that strong of an opinion before. Okay. Like other than the veggie protein thing, I didn't really think about carbs or fat or macros or any of that. So you know, I was never really scared of carbs. I've always just been like a carb lover, but I've also been like the um, the unhealthy carb lover, like the just processed bread and all of those delicious things, pastries. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that like learning more about health instead of just veganism has really changed my opinion on those things in terms of like, okay, obviously I know they're not the healthiest, so I should limit them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I to be honest with you, since I turned forty, I can't even have uh, grains as much anymore. Like I used to have mm-hmm. rice all the time, and my body's like, I don't think so. And uh, my God, I just can't. Um, I get a pouch. I'm like, okay, we're not having mm-hmm. a pouch. Um, yeah. so quinoa is fine, buckwheat is fine, but yeah, I can't have much rice. Sometimes I have it like we go for vegan sushi, which is one of my favorite, and um. Mm. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have that, right? <laughs> I don't care that it's you not can, whole food. You can do homemade vegan sushi with quinoa. I know. I know. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I love cooking. I truly, truly love preparing food. But um, there are some recipes that take longer, like sushi. So yeah. just the patience of rolling things. I'm like, do I really want to get through that? It's so true. nice when you go to a restaurant, somebody just brings it already rolled out. You have these it's beautiful so chefs that are doing like, Whoop, done. <laughs> so I want to do the dishes for you as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, let's go to a restaurant. Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, so that that is one thing for sure. And uh, I stopped eating sourdough, which is was one of my favorites yeah yeah I can't uh, bread is just the worst for me so it's interesting oh, how nice. things have changed but I'm not a carbophobic I love carbs like yeah. I mean, my whole I, I would have sweet potatoes um I mean I, I'm very high raw so I have 90% raw food even in winter but then I will add some sweet potatoes I will add some quinoa just to bulk up a little bit especially in the winter when it gets a little bit colder um yeah. and you get really like mm, I'm hungry and I want something a little bit richer so, yeah. but definitely, like you were the, the salad queen, I'm definitely on a salad kick every day. I love salads. Um, if because it's not warm. If it was warmer where I lived, I would yeah. eat them all the time. It's yeah. just in the winter, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. I know. Stews are great. Stews are great. And yeah. the nice thing with appliances such as like Vitamix, at least we can make raw soups that are warm, um, but it's still yeah. raw. If we choose to do that, it's not compulsory, but... So it's nice to have those options. I really feel, and it's um, it's definitely uh, you know, we we are lucky in the time that we are now because we have access to a so much knowledge, but also, um, like the the appliances to do it with. Because before yes. it was really hard. Like maybe people that went to Rod had a dehydrator. Um, we before yeah. Vitamix, <laughs> you know, how do you really speed things up that far, that fast? They become warm. It's a little challenging. So yeah. um, I know why like the older uh, raw foodists, for example, we go for things like mostly salads and, and, and fruit, right? Yeah. It's really tough yeah. otherwise. Um, the the other question I have for you is um, obviously stepping away from the food and uh, in a way, but not completely. So how do you prepare your videos every week? How do you come up with the concept? So I want to bring a little bit of the creator into this as your as you you as a YouTuber. How yeah. do you yeah, how do you figure out what's the continuum of your videos from the week before? How are you gonna create content? What trends? How what do you look at? That's a good question. It's kind of a mix of audience recommendations or requests, um, seasonality, you know, like with going into Thanksgiving and Christmas right now, I'm trying to bring a little bit of holiday aspects in as well. And also kind of just what I'm doing at home, because I do try and keep it like, you know, making sure that it's food that I'm actually eating and I don't want to make anything too extravagant. Um, Even like with holidays coming up, we're not super big on holidays. Like we're, my husband, really probably couldn't care less if we didn't celebrate Christmas. I'm like, but we we need a Christmas feast and everything. He's like, if you want to make it, go ahead. 
<laughs> so I, I try and do a balance of, you know, what I'm sure people would want to see and maybe what they need help with. Um, I, I try and put out polls on my community tab on YouTube and ask people um, what would be the most helpful kind of video for you guys right now. So it's really a mixture of those, those three things. I smile because I'm like, all of them, of course. <laughs> I, remember, I was one of the repliers. <laughs> I remember. Um, yeah, that's a good idea to do it. And um, how long does it take for you, like in the week, to actually make the video and then edit it and make it, you know, YouTubeable? <laughs> it's usually like a three-day process. And um, hopefully I can hire on an editor at some point, because that's actually what takes the longest time. Um, I've definitely gone through an evolution of my videos as well, because I actually used to make videos three times a week. So I don't even know how I had the time to do that because I was doing that and still tutoring um, online. So it was like a lot more chaotic at that time. And I've kind of slowed it down a little bit just for my own mental health. There's like a lot on YouTube where they talk about, you know, you need to make sure you're taking a rest for yourself because it's a lot of work to think of the idea, film it, shoot it and, and edit it and everything. So I'm trying to give myself a little bit more grace. And then as my channel has grown, I just feel that I can put more um, time and effort into one video and make it really good. And that's kind of where I am with that right now. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> no, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I struggle to film myself. I must say that's another skill that you definitely have because yeah. uh, people ask me to do what I eat in a day and I'm like, I want to, I really want to do it, but I really yeah. can't. I don't know how to film myself. Why? I don't know. How to I know. You I need a, I need a course. I, <laughs> I know it's silly. I'm, I just get paralyzed by the thought that I have to do it. And I'm like, how am I going to film myself? How do I film the, I could, do I have the right stand for the phone or the camera? I mean, I have an equipment. I have the equipment. I have a really good camera. I have the stand for the camera, but I, I just did not do the angles things. So I think, it, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe it takes practice, which I haven't given yes. a lot of uh, uh, time to. But um, I really, kudos again for that skill because I really struggle. <laughs> I'll give you some pointers after our chat and we, I'll help you <laughs> with your first one. Because it's honestly, it's pretty easy once you get the hang of it. I bought like a $20 little um, phone tripod. So it's pretty small. It's like this big and you just set your phone in landscape mode and just kind of set to what you're doing at the moment. And it's, it's, it's pretty easy. You just uh, take it around with you. And you can post from your phone on, uh, on, it will be fine on YouTube. Like it will be the right size. Well, I usually upload it in, onto my computer and stitch it all together with an editing app, but there are a lot of free editing apps. I can share some with you later. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. even the listeners would appreciate it. Cause I think a lot of people want to be more creative, but uh, I, if they oh, are technical, yeah. technologically, technologically a little bit challenged like me, then, yeah. then I'd be like, mm. I mean, it took me a while to understand how to edit the episodes for the podcast, but that I find actually quite easy. And because I'm recording on a computer, everything is one place. But I definitely, the, the whole filming on the phone, it, I struggle men mentally with it, unless I'm just doing a little video. Like it's the editing is like, you know, when if I'm talking to the camera, it's completely fine. Yeah. But if I'm actually doing like cooking, I struggle to understand the angles. Um, so definitely it's a beautiful art. And maybe you should do a course on that too at some point. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about your course. I would love to hear more about the food prep course. You run it, um, what is it, three, four times a year? Yeah, usually four times a year. You know, I've only had the course going for uh, less than two years. So it's still like a learning phase for me as well. Um, I have also had the option of doing like group coaching with it and individual coaching. I didn't offer that last time and I'm planning to launch it in a couple weeks. What is the mm -hmm. day today? In like a week and a half. <laughs> so this is actually good timing for me to share about that. Um, so the course is a video course because I feel that I'm just, you know, 
good at making videos and I feel that's my best um, teaching delivery style. So it's a video course and the video lessons, of course, you can watch over and over. You can download them. Um, So it's a step-by-step guide for meal prep and best practices. And again, it's about finding a meal prep system that works for you. There are like different ways you can do it. You don't always have to do the same style. You can really do whatever fits within your lifestyle or your schedule. Um, There's produce saving tips and tricks. There's a section about learning how to calculate recipe quantities. There's guides for taking kitchen inventory, for using up one ingredient in multiple recipes. And um, yeah, you have lifetime access to the course. I'm actually planning to do some updates to it and add more content to it, which will be coming early next year. So Mm -hmm. if you were to purchase the course, you get all of those updates for free as they come out. And I just want to keep improving the course and make it the best vegan meal prep course that there is. I love that. And you will because you're really good. And also because you're really passionate and that comes through in everything you do. That's, um, that's amazing. Um, so what do you see? Where do you see? Let's, let's see plan go, uh, in the future, because I'm sure you are thinking how to grow and even financially, right? Like as your channel grows, there are certain collaborations that might come up. How do you, how, what are you thinking? And also just to stay true to your ethos of keeping it, uh, about you know clean eating and making sure that it's all about really being um on budget and and aware yeah. of what you're buying like all these little elements that come in especially when new products come out and then people reach out to you and maybe they they don't really align how do you navigate those waters and what are you looking for when you think about let's see plan for like next year that's a great question. Um, that's definitely happened a lot already. I've had a lot of people reach out. Will you try this? Um, let us know. And I'm always open to trying products, you know, if it fits within the lifestyle. And, and um, I would never say no just just because I don't want to try it. Like, I'm, I'm definitely open. So that's always an option. Um, but I, I do try and, like, take brand deals that I feel would be beneficial to my audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I like I said, I've done that scale. Um, previously, I spo- uh, had a sponsorship with them. I feel that's a really useful tool, you know? Like, that's something that I now use every single day. And, like, the home garden that I have as well, like, I've grown all my fresh herbs there and stuff. Like, now I'm growing kale um, and rainbow chard in there. Nice. And I'm just like, that's, that's a great tool. You know, like I just like to share these things. If somebody's interested, that's great. It helps support the channel. And if not, no worries, like that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's always that kind of financial aspect, uh, in my mind with, <laughs> with this, with this channel, but I really just like, I really just want to help people. Like the the thing that motivates me the most is getting comments or emails from people that say like, wow, I've started meal prepping and it has saved me so much time. On my last video that I just posted, I had a few comments like that. And I'm like, that's so exciting. You know, I, I have a lot of new subscribers and I didn't even know that a lot of people were like trying out this system. And so when they share that with me, I just get so, so excited. So... <laughs> That's really my motivation to keep going. Um, you know, I have had a lot of channel growth this year, so I hope that it continues. But I'm just kind of out here trying to make videos that are helpful to people. And I want to be very inclusive because, you know, I have people who watch my channel who aren't vegan. Mm. And I think that's totally fine. I'm like, if you want to incorporate more beans and rice and veggies into your diet, that's that's awesome. Like, who am I to to say no? <laughs> So I, I, I even feel the same way with people who use oil. Like I try to be inclusive of, of people. You don't have to not use oil on my channel. You don't have to use oil. It's, it's whoever I'm just trying to give inspiration for a healthy way of eating, I guess I would say. I love that. And how do you navigate, obviously making, living in Canada, making the videos in Canada, sometimes um, some products that are available to you there are not available in the US and vice versa. You might yeah. see some things that some of the YouTuber you follow might use and then you can't get your, you know hold of those things. Yeah. How do you navigate those little discrepancies? And um, if you have to advise different demographics, because I'm sure a lot of your audience is also in the US. Yes. Yeah. So you're right. Since they are in the U.S., I actually do try and be open to companies who primarily serve the U.S. Mm. Like I've had companies reach out and they and their products are 
you know, mainly distributed in the US. And I'm like, I'll, I'll still try them because I think that most of my audience would probably be interested in this. I think it's maybe 50 or so percent of my audience is in the US. Um, but I've also had people watching in Canada who said that they love watching because of the fact that I go to No Frills, which is a supermarket chain that's in Toronto. So I'm like, you know, it's, yeah, you're going to get people from all over the world. And I think that being that most people are in the U.S., I do try and cater to that demographic. Yeah, fantastic. Maddie, that was so much fun. I don't know if you have anything that you want to share with everybody, things that like they should look out for, and of course, following you on uh, YouTube and Instagram, um, and making sure they support you because you're amazing. What else oh, could we you. tell them? What do you have coming up? Um, like I said, my meal prep course will be launching in about a week-ish, um, and that'll be the last time for this year. And other than that, there's going to be some exciting new content on my channel in the next few months. So yeah, just you can check Stay out too. Let's Eat Friends if you're interested. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I really Thank love talking me. to you. You're such good energy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> See you soon. Bye. Thank you, Maddie, and thank you everyone for staying on for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Maddie's fantastic to talk to, so I really, really hope that you can follow her on Let's Eat Plants on YouTube and on Instagram. She's so wonderful to listen to. She shares a lot of information, always with an open heart and a smile, and it's really, really good to get those kind of vibes. Also, as we were talking through the episode, as we recorded in 2023, she was sharing that she had the course for plant-based um, meal prep coming up and this will happen again in 2024 so stay tuned with her get in touch with her subscribe to her newsletter so that when she launches the course again you can sign up because it really will change your life for the better all right guys until next time make sure that you subscribe that you share that you review help us grow and i'll see you next week bye